Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. A woman was visiting some people who lived on a farm. And as she went, she noticed a pig outside the door limping in the backyard with a wooden leg. She found that odd. I mean, wouldn't you? Here's a pig with a wooden leg. And so she was. She went to the farmer and said, um, excuse me, what, <laughs> what happened to the pig? What happened to the pig? And the farmer said, oh, it's okay. That's Betsy. And Betsy, do you know, is a wonderful pig. One night... She said, the house caught fire, and she oinked so loud that it woke us up, and we got the fire truck in time to save the house. The woman said, wow, that's amazing. That's really something. Are you serious? He goes, oh, but there's more, the farmer said. That's not all. One day, our youngest, she fell in the pond, and Betsy, the pig, oinked so loud that she got our attention, and we were able to pull my daughter out of the pond. The woman said, that's really amazing. But I still don't understand why the pig has a wooden leg. The farmer said, well, when you have a pig that special, you don't want to eat him all at once. (laughs) It's just a story. Everybody take a big breath, okay? It's just a story. Everybody breathe. But it does teach us to be grateful for all we have. So this morning, I would like to talk to you, if you'll let me, about developing a grateful heart. Listen, we all need to work on this quote-unquote development of what? Of having a truly grateful heart. As we come to November, we discover something interesting. I don't know if you know this, spoiler alert, But the fourth Thursday of every month, as a country, we celebrate Thanksgiving. And it's a time, when you really think about it, it's a time where family get together around the table and they share this wonderful meal, big meal. And and some people have wonderful conversations. They eat way too much. Can I get an amen? amen? Some watch football. Others who don't like football watch a movie. Others will get ready for the shopping day to the next day. Oh, yes. Others will put up their Christmas trees. Anybody put up their Christmas trees on Thanksgiving? One or two? Two of you, three? And others, in this Thanksgiving, it will be drama and fighting because that weird uncle that you didn't invite will always show up. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, I heard the party's here. But as I was looking at the scripture, here's what I thought. The scripture text today, all wasn't meant for one day. It wasn't meant for one day because it has stood the test of time. And if you and I, as fully devoted believers, fully devoted followers of God, if we are to develop a grateful heart each and every day of our lives... As I was thinking about this, thinking about developing a grateful heart, having a heart of thankfulness, 
You know how, I, I called it a funny story, but not funny, ha-ha, but more funny, peculiar. Why? Because I was thinking about this, and I was praying about this, and I said, Lord, I want to do a series these two weeks, and I want to really, want to really get the heart. And, 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 and listen, some of the times when I preach, I'm preaching to me, you all just get to listen. You understand? I'm, I'm trying to develop my own heart. I was like, Lord, I just want to have a grateful heart every single day. And so this, this song lyric kept coming to mind. You know, just a, just a few words. I was like, I know who sings it. And so I got over to my desk and, and I went in there and I, and I typed in and it's from a Christian artist that I followed for many years. And so when I got a chance, I searched the lyric to find the song. And to my amazement, it really was a song that actually feels and, and, and it, it just relates to what we're going to learn today. As a matter of fact, I looked at the lyrics and it blew my mind because it's going to talk and fit about several, the things we talked about all in Philippians, and even, if you're not a Wednesday nighter, Ecclesiastes. You see, in Philippians, we were all have about, about joy, having joy in circumstance. Don't worry about the circumstance, joy in life. See, Paul writes this amazing letter, where? From prison. And he says, don't let circumstances determine your joy. And, and then Solomon in the Old Testament, many, many years before, was saying, listen, here's how you find satisfaction. Don't look at everything under the sun. He says, look above the sun. You need to develop faith and you need to see and keep your eyes on God. And you go, well, what was the song? Well, here's the thing, guys. And, and, and labor with just a few moments as we look at the lyrics. The song title is called Heaven Waits for You. Listen to the lyrics. Let this seek in. He says, a baby's born today, and somewhere else, somebody's time has passed away. You really never think of what it means until the circle comes your way. One day you'll gain, the next day you'll lose. It's just something we must go through. We all feel pain. We'll get through the rain if we reach out and choose. And then he says the chorus. The good within the bad, the joy within the sadness. If we only had a world without the madness, I'd call it heaven too. And he says, heaven waits for you. I thought, wow. And so I took a moment and I said, Lord, how do I learn to have a grateful heart in all things? How do, how do I need to find the good within the bad and the joy within the sadness. And the Lord reminded me, it starts with something very basic and very principle, but very essential. You go, what's that? Well, I believe it's prayer. If we're going to develop a grateful heart, now again, not just on Thanksgiving, a grateful heart on, oh, well, I'm just thankful, or we gather around the big dinner table with, with turkey and stuffing and, and all of that good stuff, I think it starts with prayer. And I'm convinced, guys, that this is a work that God, that only happens through prayer. Through prayer. As a fellow by the name of Pastor Rodney Buchanan once wrote, quote, the first is we need to pray that God would move our hearts. And you guys say, from what? Let's try again. From, pray, from complaints to praise, from criticism to encouragement, from cynicism to faith. And then he goes on to write, listen, think about this. Can you imagine how different the world would be if beginning today people would not complain about anything? 
The world would be a completely different place. A new joy would begin to take over the world just because of that one minor change. But now, can you imagine how different you would be if you would stop complaining? There would be a whole new you. A new joy would begin to take over your life, and you would have a whole new outlook on the world. Some people would hardly have anything to say if you would stop complaining. Your relationships would be different, your job would be different, your home would be different, and your church would be different. Oh, wow. So where, 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 where do we stand on prayer? Well, I mean, I think about it. I was like, Lord, how do I find the joy within the sadness? He goes, well, we need to develop a heart. What kind of heart? A heart that, that uh, is going to move from complaining to praise. To, from criticism to encouragement and even cynicism to faith. In our lesson today, church, we're going to discover several things that we can truly put into practice to develop a grateful heart. Now, let me be clear. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that you all don't have a grateful heart. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, well, you know, my church, Calvary Chapel, they're just a bunch of ungrateful. That's not what I'm saying. I know many of you are super thankful, and for that, I'm encouraged but I guess we can agree that we can all have a refresher course as we navigate through a really dark and negative world. We can always be, oh, yeah, yeah, I need, it. I need a little bit more encouragement. So really, if you're taking note, you go, well, how do we develop a grateful heart? Well, we need to write down prayer. Prayer. Why? Because prayer helps us walk by faith. Prayer helps us walk by faith. Prayer helps us to see the good within the bad and the joy within the sadness. Prayer really does. Prayer helps us to have an attitude of gratitude. Now, let me say this. When life gets really hard, what is the first thing that seems to go? Your prayer life. When life gets really stressful, when you get worried, when the holidays come, and you're really stressed out about all the things you got to do, and you're thinking about Christmas even now, and, the, and, and inflation's gone through the roof, and you're going, I don't know, I don't even know how we're going to do this. I don't know how we're going to... Go, you go to the Lord in prayer. You go to the Lord and say, Lord, how do we find the joy in that? I'll tell you how. You ready? You know, at times we go, okay, I'm going to go out and I want to get the best presents for my kids and I want to make sure they have a super wonderful, happy, fantastic Christmas and it's going to be great and there's going to be wrapping paper and it'll all be done in three minutes. That's Christmas morning for some of us. But now, as the Lord is moving, we go, you know what? We're going to do a little bit different this year. We're going to do a little bit different. And then you start to implement, oh, okay, okay. How are we thankful and how can we be thankful in this holiday season? Now, prayer's key, prayer's key, but there's so much more we can learn, okay? So we're going to move to our, in our text this morning. Now, let me just summarize it, and then we'll come back. In Luke 17, think about this. Our passage this morning, we discover that Luke tells the story of Jesus healing 10 men with leprosy. Jesus was traveling between Samaria and Galilee on his way to Jerusalem. I want to paint the picture when he encountered these lepers who begged him for mercy and healing. 
He told them to go and show themselves to the priest. Took, this took faith and courage. And as they went, it appears that they were cured. But only one of them, a Samaritan, turned around and came back to thank Jesus and praise God. Jesus commends him for his faith and the wonders and wonders where the other nine were. Jot this down. It's a lesson in, truly ha- in having a truly grateful heart. But it's also a lesson on taking our blessing for granted. I think about that. I think about that because as I was, as I was thumbing through some of Amir's um, telegram stuff, I noticed that the church in other parts of the world are being persecuted for their Christian faith. And I thought, wow, wow. So, for just a moment, church, put on your thinking caps. Put on your thinking caps. Here's this man. There's ten of them, but we're going to focus on the man. Here's this man. He's watching Jesus walk by, and it can only be from a distance. And he cries out for mercy, and then he comes right up to his feet, lays prostrate, and gives praise. Now, within this whole scenario, there are two different paths. I always talk, often tell the college kids, where are we in the study? What does this passage say about people? Well, there's two different types of people. You go, what are they? You have one who, it's a path of thanksgiving and praise. And the second path, well, it's a totally different path. You've got to look at yourself for just a moment in the story and say, hey, am I the one or do I follow the crowd? Oh, these people are doing this. I'll just go with them. Think about where we are in the text. Now, what I want you to think about as we go through our study is I've got to set some stage and I've got to set some background. Why? Because Luke identifies the one man. He's a grateful man as a Samaritan. Okay? Now, what that does is that that implies that the other nine were Jewish. So you have a Samaritan. You go, okay, what does that mean to me? Well, Jesus actually calls him a foreigner. And here's what you need to know. It's the only time that this particular word is used in the New Testament. Now, listen closely. It was Harold Marshall writes, quote, The word that Jesus uses as a specific one in the historical context, foreigner, was a description on the sign outside the inner temple forbidding further entry to non-Jewish men. So it wasn't just, oh, well, he's from over there. It was like, now, I'm going to paint this picture. I'm going to paint this picture. So here's what it means. You have a man who's basically, right, he's got a death sentence on his life. You understand that. Leprosy was not something, take two pills and call me in the morning. Leprosy wasn't, rub this balm on it, it'll be all right. You understand, leprosy was awful and ugly, and people died a slow, painful death. Slow, painful death. Can you imagine, leprosy was so bad that your nose could literally fall off, and you wouldn't know it. And you're sitting there going, oh, 
your ears, your limbs, everything went numb. You just, it was awful. And so all of a sudden you're going, man, I'm living with this. Wait a minute. What, wait. <laughs> I know where to find life. Oh, but since I'm a foreigner, I can't get close to the person who has life. For several reasons. You go, what do you mean? A leper, guys, a leper must announce his suffering whenever somebody comes close. You had to announce it. Okay? You couldn't come to church like this. You would risk of becoming them unclean. Leviticus 13.45. Now, think about this. Here comes Paul, and I'm like, unclean, unclean. I'd have to say that. I'd have to keep him away. And what you need to understand is, is basically, I mean, I can't get near you. I can't talk to you. Who do I hang out with? Other lepers. We're all the same. And, and I want you to see what that does to somebody emotionally when you're sitting with somebody knowing they're dying the same way you're dying. But then something, does, something happens in my heart. Why? Because even after, think about this, even after he's healed of leprosy, he'd still have to be at a distance. You go, why? Because he was a Gentile. He was a foreigner. He couldn't even come close. That's the importance, church, of our Jesus. Sin in our lives is always, I mean, leprosy in the Scripture is always a type of our sin. And do you realize that leprosy does something, it starts from the inside and works its way out. It doesn't start from the outside. So sin always starts in the heart and it destroys us from the inside until we're dead. Sin separates us from coming to God. So even if we are in, in some sort of health crisis and we get healed physically, we still have the foreigner crisis. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Let's jump into our study and we can learn how you and I today can start having a forever grateful heart. Being thankful to God is part of the Christian life, but it seems like it's lacking for many lives. Just being thankful. Just being. See, in our study today, we're going to see that thankfulness is a part of faith that turns the Christian life into a thing of joy instead of a thing of duty. Thing of duty. Luke chapter 17, guys, we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Read with me if you don't mind. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria in Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, and they stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went that they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Where there are not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? 
Were there not any found who returned to the glory of God except his foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Now, before we jump into the study, if you are a believer here today, and your life is more a thankful duty than it is a joy, this message is for you. If you are a believer and and the holidays bum you out, starting with Thanksgiving, then this message is for you. So let's unpack the text, guys, looking for ways to have a grateful heart. Let's pick it up in verse 11. Let's unpack it. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, here's what I want you to see, okay? I want you to notice in verse 11, Jesus was walking on the border between Samaria and Galilee, headed to where? He's headed to Jerusalem. Now, you need to understand, guys, remember, remember, the Jews really didn't like the Samaritans, and the Samaritans felt the same way. They were always at odds. They didn't, they didn't want to. It's only when Jesus comes into our hearts, guys, that we're going to really be free from prejudice. That's the only way. When Jesus comes into your heart. Now, I want you to think about this. I want you to put yourself in the scene. Okay? Jesus looks at his guys and he says, Hey, hey guys, listen, we're going to go through, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And they're like, yeah, in and out of Jerusalem. No, they didn't say that. But here's the point. They were like going to Jerusalem, right? And he goes, now, we have to go through Samaria. You know what the disciples would have done? Wait, what? Listen, Lord, come here. Let me talk to you for a second. Lord, I know, I know that, that it's a little bit farther distance if we, if we skirt uh, and go around Samaria to, to Jerusalem. And, and I get that, and it's going to be a little bit long, but I'd rather do that than have to face anyone in Samaria. Lord, Lord, come here, come here. Listen, listen. There's a 7-Eleven right on the outskirts of town. I'll buy you a burrito. Let's just go that way. I don't still, we don't like those Samaritans. You understand how it is. They just didn't want to go through. They would do whatever it took to go around. They would try to convince them, let's do, let's take it different. Those Samaritans. Ah. But Jesus, now, now, here's the point I want you to make. Here's the point I want to make. You ready? When you and I don't understand what the Lord is doing in our lives, or even in the lives of others, we often feel the same way. We'll criticize, we'll complain, we'll even avoid. You go, whoa, 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 Ben, that got deep. Yeah, listen, listen. When our hearts and our will line up with God's, then we can find joy, we can find peace, and we can find thankfulness. You see, we have to, we have to understand. We go, we didn't, these guys didn't know what Jesus was doing. They didn't know the heart of Jesus. They just knew, I don't want to go through Samaria. And you and I, we can be the same way at times when we don't know what God is doing in the heart of somebody else. And we don't know what he's trying to do with us. And I'm going to show you this very interesting because not only is God interested in the Jewish people, he's interested in the Samaritan people as well. 
And not only is God interested in you, he's interested in your friends, and he loves. And here's where we got to be careful. Here's where we got to be very, very careful. You go, why? Because here, here we're praying, and we're praying for Israel. But you understand, the Palestinians are made after God's image as well. And we need to pray for them. They're people. They're people, and, and we can't just go, oh, well, we're going to pray. Here, what is what if God wants to reach the world? Wait, wait a minute, Ben. That's exactly what he wants to do. Well, where's our heart? We can simply criticize, and I, and, I, and I pray we criticize the evil, and we condemn the evil, but we pray for people's salvation. Because hell is not a place where people want to spend eternity. Hell is in the, the absence of air when you think about it, because Jesus is the breath of life. Absence is the, hell is the absence of peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so we pray and we pray. How do we have a grateful heart each and every day? We recognize that God is doing something in in their life as well as our life. Oh, Lord. You've often heard that, that adage, right? where you point a finger at someone, you go, I'm pointing one at you, but three are pointing back at me. Listen, if I took that, well, you go, well, well, give it to me scripturally. Well, it's really simple, right? Jesus said, first remove the plank from your eye so that you can see the speck in your brother's eye. So let's look at our hearts because I go, oh, oh, I've got a lot of work to do. Pastor, help me. Okay, but let me get the plank out. You have a plank? Yeah, I'm knocking people down all over the place. Well, watch out. But when I begin to work on my heart, then I go, oh, brother, you have a speck. And he's going to go, thank you. There's no judgment because we're brothers. Can I get an amen? amen? So, how do we have a grateful heart? Number one, prayer, prayer, prayer. Number two, you ready? Focus on the Lord and what he's doing in our life. Focus on the Lord. You and I, come on, let's be honest. We are good Holy Spirits, aren't we? Well, we love to look at other people's life and go, let me, let me judge that life. And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes and convicts us, but, but we like to act like the Holy Spirit, and that's really not our part. You know what our part is? Ready? We're supposed to love people back to life. We're supposed to love people to the place where they can get back in a relationship with God. Oh, no, no, no. We're not, we're not encouraging and, and, and condoning their, hey, go have party, enjoy, drink, smoke, and whatever. That's not us. We're going, hey, listen, you used to once walk close to God. Let's get back to that place. How, what can I do? How can I lift you up? We're, we're, church, we've got to be so careful because we're very good about giving a verse. Hey, I've got a verse. You need a verse? I've got a verse. Well, you should just do it. Why aren't you doing it, Abel? Huh? Why? Don't look at me that way. Why don't you do it? And we, and we start to get that tense instead of going, hey, let me help you. What can I do? Hey, man, you call me anytime you feel that temptation. You call me. And we'll, okay, let's walk together in this. Let's walk together. Focus on the Lord and what he's doing in our lives. Think about this. Think about this. Many of you know, right? Many of you know, you, you've raised kids when they're little. And about one-year-olds, they'll get up, and their head's too, head, too big for their body, but they'll try to walk. You know what I mean? They're like this. And what you do, and, and it's the most exciting thing as parents, isn't it? 
for your kid to walk. You're like, it's like, my kid's walking. He's going to walk, you know, eventually. But, but what do you do? Okay, here, here, mom, you ready? And here he goes. Right? And he takes four or five steps, and you catch him. And what do you guys do? You celebrate. You throw a party. He walked. Everybody's video cameraing. The poor kid hits his head, and you're just like, oh, sorry. But when the kid walks, and then he falls, how many of parents get up and really spank him? Why not? He fell. He messed up. He should be walking. You go, Ben, you're silly. No. He's learning. And how many of us as believers, when we start, we get brand new, we pick him up and we go, okay, that was awesome. Keep going. Because you know what the enemy does? He kick us when we're down. The first thing he says is, you're not a real believer. You're not a Christian. And he starts getting in our hearts. He starts talking to us that way. And you go, no, no, no. You know what the body of Christ should do? Come on, get up. You did great. What? <laughs> I only walked two steps. Yes, but you walked two steps. You walked two steps. Let's go. Well, that's different. The church is the only place where we shoot our own wounded. And we don't want to do that anymore. We want to encourage. How do I encourage? How do I have a grateful heart for what God is doing in your life? I realize what he's doing in my life. Look at verse 12. Then he entered a certain village and met him ten men who were lepers. And they stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Now, here's where it gets good, guys, I promise. It says Jesus goes into a certain village. Do you guys see that? But it wasn't like a town. He wasn't going into a town. What you need to know um, was leprosy was no man's land. So basically, he was going into a refugee camp. Okay? It wasn't like, yeah, you know, Jesus is walking into Lubbock, and you know, there he was on Main Street. It wasn't that. It was the outskirts. No man's land. And again, think about this. The law required anyone with leprosy to separate themselves. They couldn't be part of anything. And if you stood upwind from someone with leprosy, if it was upwind, you had to stay a minimum of 50 feet away. If it was downwind, it was 100 feet away. And if strangers approached, you had to cover their mouths and yell, Unclean, unclean. Do you remember, <laughs> not too long ago, when we had the virus, and you, if you had the virus, you had to, they, they stuck you inside a house for 14 days, and you could not. I mean, that was like, that was like a type of leprosy. I mean, can you imagine? Uh, I can't go to work. I got the virus. Oh, oh my gosh, go, get, we get quarantined and we got, we got stuck in a room with food and just our TV for 14 days and that was, that was their whole life. The difference was is that the difference was you were going to get better in a few days and then still be stuck for 14 and then they went from 14 to 10 to 12 to, and they're, now they're like, here, just put on this and go. You go, pastor, what's the point? 10 dudes, 10 guys having no hope, waiting to die, and if there was ever a picture of hope, hopelessness, it was these guys right here. 
Now, note with me the verse, verse 13. They cried out to Jesus as best they could, scrambled to their feet, seeing it was Jesus. I wonder, this holiday season, if we can in some way relate. You go, well, Ben, how so? How so? I think, guys, if we'll take a moment and have the heart of Christ, there are a lot of people in our world today, in our city, that feel like these men. They feel hopeless. They feel alone. They feel abandoned. Let us be sensitive, O Lord, to the cashiers. Hey, how's it going? My wife is incredibly good this holiday season. I mean, she's always telling, I mean, she'll tell, even today, she's telling people Merry Christmas. And they always, you know, because that's not politically correct to say. It's, you, you say Happy Holidays, but not my wife. My wife will go around the mall, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. And then the police get us and kick us out. And it's like, it's like, Natalie, stop. She's handing people candy for crying out loud, and they're taking it. Because she knows that people are hopeless and they feel abandoned and they just need somebody to, to smile at them and somebody, you know, they feel isolated. A lot of people feel like there's no way out. And many people today, guys, feel like life is passing them by day by day. And they loathe this time of year because of holidays. Because they find themselves alone They find themselves hurting. They find themselves broken. And let me just say this. There's a lot of that going on on the inside because they can have a house full of people on Thanksgiving and still feel alone and empty and broken. And so so we see a picture here. And so they see Jesus and they cry out, Jesus, Master! Whenever would Jesus go into a refugee village? Right here today. Isn't that cool? And I got some good news for you. Look up because Jesus is here and He's ready to heal you and He's ready to forgive. He's ready to heal a heart that's in despair. I know, I've got an idea, Ben. I'll give my life to Jesus and then Thanksgiving will be amazing and Christmas will be amazing and I'll be blessed with all this money and it'll be good. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you'll still enter those holidays the same way you did before, but you'll have a different attitude and a different set of glasses. And you'll start to see the good within the sadness, and you'll start to you'll feel joy. And then you'll find yourself complaining and go, what am I complaining about? I'm blessed. Nobody's got a gun to my head saying, renounce Christ. Nobody's got that. Nobody's saying, hey, if you, if you say Merry Christmas, we're going to cut your head off. So I go, oh. Maybe I do complain a little too much. Maybe I do. Hmm. Hmm. If we're learning, you and I this morning, to have grateful hearts, what does that mean? Well, that first of all, we're growing in our prayer life. We're growing in our prayer life. Would you do me a favor, church? Take a step back, look at your prayer life, and go, you know what? It needs to be better. I need to pray without ceasing. I need to pray all the time. I just need to have that attitude of prayer. Just talking to God. 
and really and, and allowing him. And again, let's let's look at prayer. Make sure that prayer isn't isn't just you saying, God, I want, God, I want, God, I want, God, I want. But but you have this wonderful what? This, this wonderful dialogue between you and God. He opened you open up a scripture and you pray and then you read a word and you pray and you read and you pray and you just Number two, keep your eyes on what Jesus is doing in your life. And then number three, you ready? No matter what state you're in, no matter, no matter what's going on in your life, run and fall at the feet of Jesus. Don't let the circumstances, don't let fear, please don't let culture keep you from having hope. Don't let the news rob you of, of, of your hope in Christ. I don't know if you realize, church, listen to me, I don't know if you realize that we're one trumpet away from going home. And it could happen at any time. It could happen. And God is so loving and so merciful that he's trying to get our attention. He says, hey, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'll be right there. I'll be right there. See, Jesus, even my Jesus, specializes in walking in the midst of hopelessness and bringing hope. He is hope. Well, our story continues. Look at verse 14. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. Now, this is amazing. Why? Because Jesus simply looks at them and he doesn't, and he doesn't uh, say, Be healed! You know, something dramatic. He just looks at them and he says, Hey, uh, go, go show yourselves to the priest. And if you look at Scripture, Jesus does it different all the time. He tells some dude, hey, go, here, here's some mud. Let me put some mud on your eyes. He just says, sometimes he says, be healed. He says, go your way. Your son live. I mean, he does different. But here, this is amazing. Why? Because this has to be an act of faith. Has to be. How silly would they look if they went to the priests and they were still full of leprosy? Go show yourself to the priest. Okay. You know, they had to believe. They had to believe. Now, let me ask you a question. See, our faith should produce action. Our faith should. We, we behave what we believe. They really behaved what they believed. Why? Because they had to take that first step to go show themselves to the priest. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How do we have this faith? How did they believe in Jesus? How did they, I mean, here were ten guys hanging out going, hey, how do you feel today? Oh, I don't feel good. Are you going to die? I might die today. I don't know. And they had a death sentence in their life, and here comes Jesus, and he's like, hey, go show yourselves. Me? All of us? Okay. They had to, something had to happen to take that step of faith. And that's the same thing here. When people come and they respond to the gospel, it's not like, hey, I went to Calvary Chapel and that pastor was so funny, I decided to give my life to the Lord. That's not how it works at all. You know how it works? When you go, I don't know what I'm doing. I just felt it the inside. That's a step of faith. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. These people had to have faith. Think about what Hebrews tells us in chapter 11, verse 1. And if you're reading through the Bible with us, this is what we read this morning. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They didn't see it. 
They had to have faith. They had to have faith. Think about the opposite. Think about what they could have done. They could have sat down and said, Okay, Jesus, I'll wait until I start seeing the healing before I get up and go. No, you know what they did? You ready? They took Jesus at his word and began walking towards Jerusalem. That's the same thing that happens to you in salvation. You take that step of faith and you go, Okay, I'm going to begin walking. You go, Well, I'm not walking towards Jerusalem. Well, in a spiritual way, heaven... You're walking towards heaven by faith. How do I know? Have you ever seen it? Well, no. I mean, I've read some books on heaven. Have you ever seen heaven? So you're walking by faith. You're really walking by faith. You know it's there. You know that's where you're going because of what Jesus has done, but it's by faith you're saved. It's by faith you're saved. And so what happens? Guys, They began to take Jesus at his word, and as they went, they were healed. But wait, I want to show you something about God. Okay? In the narrative, it seems like the Lord is pointing to the ten lepers. By faith, they're healed. But God is so amazing. God is a God of people. God loved the world. How so? Okay, you ready? Jesus wanted to show his grace and mercy to both people. What do you mean? In Israel, it was only the priests who were the ones who diagnosed leprosy. Okay? In Leviticus, God gave the procedures to go to the priest. Now, here's what I find interesting. You ready? Both in the Old Testament and Jewish history tells us that until Jesus, no Jewish leper ever recovered. In other words, have you ever had a job description where you really didn't have to fill it out? I mean, it's like, okay, part of your job description as a priest is to make sure that lepers are healed. Okay. And nobody's going to come to you because nobody's been healed. And you're like, okay, well, check that off my resume. Until Jesus. Until Jesus. You go, oh, okay, what, what does that mean? What does that mean? You had ten lepers who were living hopeless lives. He's the God of hope. And you also had priests who would be astonished at the miracle in the God of hope. Wait, 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 what? Yeah, I had leprosy. You know I was living in the refugee camp. Yeah, me and my my bros, yeah. You're coming, hold on. Let me put on a mask. You know, I mean, think about the priest. Well, who did this to you? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I've heard of this. But he, what did he say? Like, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Could this really be the Messiah? Why? Because up until then, no Jewish leper had ever been healed. Wow. Wow. Can I say that that if God loved the lepers and he loved the priests, he loves you. There's two extremes, aren't they? They're two extremes. So guess what? If you're here and you're a leper, you're like, man, I'm full of sin, man. I'm just, oh. Or you're here and we go, man, I'm self-righteous. Listen, God loves you. He's got a plan for you. 
But I've got to be honest, and if you and I are honest, faith plays a huge part in our gratefulness to God. Faith does. See, by faith, you and I are super thankful because we're walking by faith. And none of us have ever seen heaven. None of us have ever seen the risen Lord. And yet, by faith, all that God has for us are things we hope for even when we haven't seen them. Because I just said, you believe in heaven, but you know, heaven isn't heaven unless Jesus is there. And so you're going to believe in Jesus. You're going to see him face to face. Listen, for faith to be complete, for faith to be mature, it has to find itself responding to the goodness of God in gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Verse 15 says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice and glorified God. And he fell down on his face, or fell down on his face, at his feet, giving Jesus thanks, and he was a Samaritan. This is a verse so key in our walks with God. Why? Even though all were healed, only one was touched in his heart to return and give thanks. Come on, you got to grasp this, guys. All ten were healed. They're walking. Hey, wow, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I don't have that anymore, all the skin disease. Hey, you are too, this is amazing. And they're still walking. One of them goes, oh, I got I to gotta, I gotta return. I got to go tell Jesus, thank you. I got I to gotta go tell. Think about it, guys. Okay, put on your thinking caps. Only one realized a true heart of gratefulness starts and ends with worship. Only that. Now, you go, whoa, 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 Ben, stop, stop, stop. Here's the thing. Some might point, well, wait a minute. Wasn't it right for the nine to be obedient to Jesus and go to the priest when they were told? Didn't this one man return disobey Jesus by coming back? The answer is no. Why? I'm sure that after he came back, worshipped, praised, and gave thanks to God that he went and gave, and he, and, and he went to the priest. Why? Because the only way you can be pronounced clean was going to the priest. So he came back, he worshipped, he praised God, he goes, okay, now I'm going to go show myself to the priest. So I don't want to be an outcast anymore. And the only way I could have is a... Church, listen, we need to realize that true gratitude never violates true obedience. Well, Ben, what happened to the nine? Well, the Bible doesn't tell us, and I don't want to speculate. But here's what we know. They never returned to give thanks. Look at verse 17 with me, guys. Jesus answered and said, where, were there not ten? Of course Jesus knew that. He says, so where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. If you and I are to develop, and I keep using that word, if we're to learn, if we're to grow, you know where, it's, you know where it starts and ends? With salvation. You go, how so? I want you to focus on verse 19 again. Jesus said, Get up, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now, think about it. The Samaritan was already healed. He was already healed. He was cleansed. He came back to give thanks. 
So what is Jesus talking about? What's he talking about? Listen, as we close, I want you to think about the story for just a moment. One man returned, fell at Jesus' feet, and worshipped him. And he pours out his thanksgiving with a loud voice. He glorifies God. And my Jesus stood over him and spoke this. Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You go, Ben, what does that mean? What does that mean? You ready? Jot this down somewhere. It means right at that point, they entered into fellowship together. It's salvation. It's salvation. You're already clean. Your, your physical healing is done. Your faith has made you well. Oh, Oh, that's the, that's, the, that's the inside. That's the inside. What about the other nine? Guys, they never entered into this kind of fellowship. They never did. You ready? Here's the point. So while all, everybody say all, enjoyed the healing from the leprosy, only one came to enjoy the fellowship of Jesus. Only one. How can we develop a grateful, or let's just say even a more grateful heart? Prayer for thanksgiving in every circumstance. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Is it hard? Yeah. Is it hard? Why? Because we're creatures of habit. When we criticize or complain, it just that's just our way of airing out. But sometimes it's a lot. How do I develop a more grateful heart, church? Keeping my eyes on what Jesus is doing in my life. Right? Do you remember that old song? He's still working on me to make me what do I to be? You know, and and I don't know the rest of it because I didn't grow up in church. But the point is, he's still working on you. Let me give it to you in just great theological terms. You ready, Joe Mabry? Um, it's called progressive sanctification. That, sounds, that makes me look smart, doesn't it? I'm not smart. I can read. But the point is, we're, we're going to grow and be like Jesus. Okay? So I know he's still working on me. I know he's still working on you. And that's what I want to encourage in your life. God's still working on you. Hang in there. <laughs> okay. Okay. No matter where you find yourself today, wherever you're at, if you're struggling with anxiety and fear and loneliness and depression, run to the feet of Jesus. I know you've got a lot of whispers. You've got a lot of voices. Hey, don't do it. Hey, hey, no, no, no. people are going to think you're crazy. You know what? You tell those voices to shut up. You run to the feet of Jesus and let him heal you. Let me tell you something about healing. You ready? When we open up our hearts and we let Jesus begin to touch those very hurtful and delicate situations, you have to allow him to do that because within the hurt is the heal. He heals as he touches, and Jesus is the only one that can do it. But we're so guarded. Oh, no, I don't want to bring up that bad memory again. No, I don't want to bring up what happened to me. Oh, no, I don't want to do this. And Jesus says, hey, let me get in there because I want healing. I want you to think of your heart for just a moment. Some of our hearts are still an open wound. And what Jesus wants to do is he wants to come in. And, and what happens when, it, when a wound is healed? It becomes a scar. 
and then, you, and then you're able to live. And so some of our hearts are just open. He goes, can I, can I get in there? Is it going to hurt? A little bit. But you're going to be so much better. Okay, Lord. And he touches that. He touches that. He says, how do we develop an even more grateful heart, guys? He says, walk by faith and not by sight. Why? For faith brings our heart to thankfulness. Lord, thank you so much. Do me a favor. This holiday season, this holiday season, be thankful for every little thing. Be thankful you have a house. Be thankful that you can pay the bills. Be thankful that you can that 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 you have you have a heater. Be thankful that whatever it might be. Be thankful. Be thankful. And then last but not least, you ready? Make sure you're walking in fellowship with him. Because you had you had ten people get healed, and only one came back in fellowship with God. And so what God is doing is he's knocking on your heart. And he says, hey, I want to come inside. I want to fellowship with you. I'm not interested in you being religious. I want a relationship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to walk with you. I want to know about your day. I want to know about your 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 deepest fears. I want to walk with you. And then when you die, I want to hold your hand and bring you with me to heaven. That's going to be amazing. That's what God wants. He wants to take your sin and your guilt and he wants to just throw it as far as the east is to the west. Never to be remembered. And then he wants to put your life. Now, if you keep moonwalking back to your sin, well, then he's got some work to do with you. But he wants fellowship. He wants fellowship. So be honest with me. You can have a truly grateful heart and not know the Lord. Your parents did a great job. They raised you up to be thankful. They raised you up to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, whatever it might be. But if you want fellowship and you want to have a truly, continually grateful heart, and it starts with, it starts with a relationship with Him. So I've got to ask you, where are you today? Where are you today? Are you truly walking in a relationship with God? to where he's your father, to where you talk to him, where you pray and you feel him in your heart, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, he would, he would be right there for you. You know that. Are you here today and you know that all your sins have been forgiven, completely wiped out? You go. Because here's what I know about my God. If you're a leper or you're a priest, he loves you. And he desires a relationship with you. You go, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? You have to, oh, come on, somebody. You have to take him at his word and take that step. I have to take that step. Confess that to him. Lord, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. Sin, like leprosy, is separating me from you. I need you. I need you. I want to be free. I want to be truly thankful 
not only today, but for the rest of my life. Can I get an amen? amen? Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth, God, in your word. We thank you for the story, Lord. We, we're excited. Father, I'm excited to meet the, the one leper and see what it was like that day. But more importantly, God, there might be someone here today that has the spiritual leprosy. And God, it's only by your Holy Spirit, God, that, that you'll move in people's hearts so that they'll respond to this invitation. You see, salvation is the key, Lord, and so your heart is that people would be saved. So my prayer right now, with every eye closed and every head bowed, that you're here today, that God has moved in your heart. He's knocking on your heart, and he says, I want to come inside. I love you. I want to forgive you. i got a great plan for your life. Will you open up your heart? Will you invite me inside? And you have to take the step just like those lepers. You go, well, what do I have to do? What, what step do I need to take? Well, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to simply lift up your hand so that I can pray for you and pray that God would do an incredible work. Pray that God would just, just move in your heart like never before. Salvation is the key. And then what? And then what? Listen, we're not here to make a public spectacle of you. We just want you to be saved. I don't want you to leave this church without you going, that you know God, you know God, you know God. And so we'll come alongside you, we'll pray for you, we'll walk with you. We'll do whatever you need us to do, but that's our goal. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I, I'm not sure if I'm saved yet. I want to be saved. I, I want to know that I go to heaven today. I want that relationship with you. If you'll lift up your hand, I'll pray for you. Nobody will see you. Only God will see you. Well, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. God bless you to my right. God bless you, sister. I see you to my right. God bless you, brother. Anyone else? Anyone else? Right now. This is your time. This is you. God bless you, brother. I see you. I see two over here. Anyone else? You've got to take that step. That step is a, just a simple lift up your hand. Nobody will see you. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I got you, brother. I got you. I got you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Hey, if you lifted up your hand, I pray for those hands that are lifted, Lord. I pray that this is the first step that they take into intimacy with you and to fellowship with you, that they would confess their sins to you, they would lay it at their feet, and they would say, God, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. I open up my heart. I invite you inside. I just need to be saved. Lord, would you do that work? Those of you that raise your hands, would you do me a favor? We're going to pray for you. My friend Keon and Nancy are going to be um, somewhere close by to pray for you. But if you'll, if you'll just pray this prayer, would you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I've been separated from you for such a long time. But today, I open up my heart and I invite you inside. I repent from unbelief. I believe that you are God's Son, my Savior. 
I desire fellowship with you. So Lord, today, would you come into my heart and walk with me? Would you be my Lord? Would you be my God? Would you be my Savior? And Lord, would you be my friend? Because today, November 12, 2023, I choose to follow you, Jesus, for forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. Welcome. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we have a Bible and a Bible study guide, and uh, we have some people to pray for you. So um, don't run off. Say, hey, go go to Nancy and Ken. They're, they're back here. Just go to them and say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord. I prayed that prayer. What do I do next? And they'll pray with you, and they'll get you on the right track. That's what we want to do. Please don't run off. Oh. And then do me a favor. If you, if you lifted up your hand today, would you do me a favor later on? Just tell somebody. Say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. You did what? Yep, I'm born again. I'm a follower of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. And Lord, I'm going to pray a blessing on them, Lord. And so that way we can worship without hindrance. Lord, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope. May our hearts be grateful in this season. And may they be, may they be just protected from the enemy as we go out these doors. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.